0: Hi, this is Kev Lex Walker, and you are about to hear a podcast of an interview that appeared on Shades of Blues here on The Cat, and there will be plenty more as we delve into the archives. Sit back and enjoy. I am delighted to say I'm now joined on the phone by Niecy Blues, or do you prefer to just be called Niecy?
1: I uh, just prefer to be called Niecy. Facebook uh, makes you have a last name.
0: Right, Okay. <laughs> I'll go with that, that's fine, that's fine. And uh, we do have a mutual friend uh, during the course of my research, uh, Sean Murphy. Oh yes, she's one of my dear friends. Yeah, uh, I mean I met her when I went over to Nashville a couple of years ago. Lovely, lovely person. Yeah, I love her.
1: Such a genuine human being besides a major talent.
0: Um, Obviously you've met loads of people throughout your career. Uh, Is there any one that stands out in particular?
1: Well, I'm going to have to go back to when I first got into the blues, um, because actually Magic Slim of Magic Slim and the Teardrops was the one that gave me my nudge. Um, The backstory on that was I was touring with a rock band out of Boston in the mid-90s, and I was doing a a gig with them in um Lincoln Nebraska uh where the infamous zoo bar is and um I guess he had heard me when he was on break you know it's like this strip along the, the campus there the university lots of clubs whatever and um he came up to me and said you know you need to be doing the blues and he invited me up on stage and that's it that there, you know history made itself with me there doing the blues so you know i have to acknowledge that and another person who took me under her wing was coco taylor i did a show with her back in 2003 the detroit and um chicago women and blues show uh, with big city blues magazine and um She, I guess she dug me. She, you know, she gave me my famous quote, Nisi reminds me of me in my younger years. So Mm -hmm. those two I accredit big time, big time.
0: So, would it be fair to say that if it hadn't have been for that meeting with Magic Slim, you'd have stayed with the rock band rather than going into blues?
1: You know, it's kind of hard to say because I was, you know, so much younger then, where, um, you know i was still trying to find my place but I, I would say definitely i i think i would have probably somewhere along the line streamed over to the blues you know
0: yeah well you were born and raised in detroit where obviously Correct. a massive soul influence but you you were also absorbing every other sound around you to develop your style so what were you listening to in your youth
1: Oh, gosh. Well, I was raised a lot around the uh, big band jazz. My dad was a buff on that. And then my mom was, you know, a concert pianist, but was really into singer-songwriter type things. You know, James Taylor, uh, Carol King, and, you know, Jim Croce and all that. And then growing up, you know, through the teens and the 20s, I was into the R&B Um, you know, and the soul and all that, that was all around me in Detroit. So, and then I've always been a rocker. You know, I had a brother who was from the Woodstock era, so I had all that around me too. So, I I mean, I'm just a blend of a lot of different music.
0: Well, you, you mentioned Woodstock then. Around that time, there were bands like Canned Heat and Santana that had blues influences.
1: Absolutely Hendrix all that. Yep. Absolutely. Janis Joplin.
0: Yep. Mm. And in the notes that I've seen it says that you were focused on having your own career. When did you first decide you were going to be a musician?
1: Well, I actually, you know, I've been <clears throat> in music pretty much since I was, you know, 8 years old, but as far as me you know, and I, and, and I was in, I've been in band since I was 16, you know, and I'm 60 now. So I, that's many, many years. <laughs> um, but um, when I declared myself being an artist is when I was out in Boston. And again, it, it all evolved really around that whole encounter with Magic Slim. So, you know, that's when I started putting myself out there, you know, as, as Nisi the artist, it was, you know, like I said, right around, you know, the mid-90s mid, mid 90s is when so, I declared niecey.
0: <laughs> so you've been doing quite a bit of gigging and stuff before all that then, haven't you? Because you went to Chicago. uh Correct. Performed regularly there, then moved over to Las Vegas, then Los mm-hmm. Angeles. So it was after all that that you decided, this is what I'm going to do. Correct. Right. Yeah. When you were in Chicago, would you say that's where you learnt your craft?
1: Um, believe it or not, when I was in Chicago was when I was in the uh, was in the eighties. Before I declared myself a blues artist, but mm. of course, of course, I was, you know, in in that mix cause just to be a musician, you know. But then I was doing a lot more R and B, you know. But that that's got the blues behind it as well. But being being straight up
0: blues, believe it or not. Um, that's not where I found my, my foothold. You decided to go to Las Vegas. What was it that drew you there? Uh, you know,
1: I didn't stay very long. <laughs> 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 um, I don't know. Maybe, you know, the excitement of it. Um, uh, I, I lined up a lot of um, gigs in the casinos, and I just decided to give it a whirl. But I was a lot younger then, and it really wasn't a place for me at that time as far as who I was as a person. You know, gambling, 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 you know. Yeah. and Yeah. You know, so I, I need more than that. You know, I, I'm into culture and all that stuff. And at that time, Las Vegas wasn't as developed as it is, you know, in a lot of aspects as far as having everything else to offer. Mm. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So I'm, I mean, I was wondering whether you'd been invited or whether you just decided, I'm going to try and make it in the bright lights.
1: Yeah, that's what that was it. <laughs> I'm gonna <don't laughs> give it a whirl.
0: <laughs> then you moved from there to L.A., uh, another mm-hmm. bright light city, and uh, then, like I say, you moved over to Boston, and that's where you decided this is what I want to do.
1: Right. So, and then since then, I've been, you know, from Boston, I've pretty much made that move down to Nashville, which is where I, which is my music hub and um where I tour out of because it's like central more central in the United States um I mainly move there just because of the body of talent there and that's a it's a city that is known for road dogs so it's really easy to pull out of there with a-lister musicians behind you to go on tour and I was really starting an embark in songwriting and Nashville's the songwriting capital of the world. So I made I made a major move to make all my music and my career happen and to moved move to, to Nashville.
0: But you say that when you were in Boston you decided that's when you wanted to be Nisi. Was Correct. there was there a defining moment that made that decision for you? Um
1: Yeah, actually, when I I was back, I went. I was still living in Boston. I was went back home to Detroit, and I was going out for um, jams while I was in town or whatever. And this is actually how I got down to Nashville. Um, I was at a jam, and um, there was a bunch of musicians in from out of town, and um, there was a, a group of musicians there that were from the Nashville area, and one of them was. A drummer, which is Neoshi Jackson. Um, hey, you got to come down to Nashville. I can do something with you, you know, and build your artist brand and what have you. And, you know, let's, let's do your first CD. And I was like, you know, how, how, how many times have I, you know, been approached like that? You know, you always want to stand back and check it out first. So I checked it out and um, went and made that move. And I it was the best move of my life. I went and stepped into my first session, and um, I almost fainted by the talent that was in the room. There was Shane Terrio from the Neville Brothers, you know Chris Anderson from the Outlaws, Johnny Neal, who now has become my producer. He, you know, won um, the Grammy um, Lifetime Achievement Award. He's former Almond Brothers, so on and so forth. So it was, I was just, I was dumbfounded. And Willie Weeks, who's played with everybody, who was on bass. It was just, it was crazy. I just walked in there and it's like I just kept my mouth shut just to learn and absorb like a sponge. I mean, these people are just like amazing talents and amazing musicians and have been playing out there big time. So that was my defining moment going down to Nashville when i was still living in 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 boston and like i said then i decided to make my move
0: well you you say that you moved to nashville to develop your songwriting um yes what was it that you felt you were lacking
1: you know you're the company you keep right Mm -hmm. so in nashville like when i you know when i went into songwriting sessions and went into my recording sessions gold records all over the walls of these people and you know it in it, and that and that's the that's the ultimate goal the, the achievement you know is being that um successful where the music industry you know acknowledges you for at, at that level so i just wanted to be around where it was really really prevalent where you know they were, Major talent was so that that's that's pretty much why I went and did that,
0: right? You say gold records, that's one thing that you aim for, but also the respect and adoration of your peers. And you were voted by Blues E News magazine as one of the top 25 women in music, yes, uh, very thrilling. So, does that kind of accolade rate above a gold disc,
1: you know? And that was fan based. So to me, it does. It, it, it's right up there with it because those are the people, you know, buying your music, listening to your music. They're your fans. So yeah. And just like um, not too long ago, I was um, voted fan favorite in the LA Music Critic Awards. That's all fan based. That is huge, mm. you know. So very exciting. I'm very grateful for that.
0: Yeah. Talking about Nashville, I've said to numerous people, when you walk down Broadway, there's all the bars and the clubs and there's music everywhere. And the talent, like you say, the talent that is on display there, quite often for free, you can just walk into a bar and see some top-name act performing for free. It's an amazing place. I love it. I want to go back desperately.
1: Yeah, yeah. I love it. I mean it. It's 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 a it's a wonderful. It's a great place to be, when you're pursuing music career. Like you said, that scenario, you know. And and what is cool is with the, with the the major players and the talent that's there, they are so humble and so willing to take you under their, you know your wings and and you know um advise and you know the whole beeswax. So that's another another wonderful um, ambience of Nashville, you know?
0: You hooked up with Johnny Neal, uh, formerly of the Allman Brothers Band, and he produced Wanted Woman, which...
1: And th- is it- and then also Trouble with a capital T as well.
0: Yeah. Is it fair to say that Wanted Woman is the, the CD that broke you worldwide? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And yep. the ironic thing is that the follow-up CD for that one was at number one in the India Roots Music Report. And w- right. wanted one w- was at number two. So- I know.
1: Isn't that something? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now, uh,
1: we're working on it. We're working on a um, another one, which is going to be due out probably around late summer. You know, Wanted Woman was such an amazing CD and so successful, you know, you're trying to raise the bar, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that one was a hard act to follow, but, you know, it, we're going to crank it out. We're going to get a, get another hit out there.
0: Well, one thing I'm trying to do on this show this year is just demonstrate how international the blues is and I've been chatting with people from all over the place and I've demonstrated my ignorance here. I didn't realise there was such a blues scene in India. So Oh I know
1: yeah. So yeah.
0: When your albums were so big over there, did you go over there and perform?
1: No, I did not. I did not. Still time to do it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, you say you're hoping to release a a cd later this year Mm -mm. did you start on that before the pandemic or is it something you've developed while you've been housebound
1: yeah i started it before the pandemic and i actually released a single to start getting it out there right before the pandemic so we you know with what we saw was going on you know we we you know kind of slowed our slowed our roll you know and what didn't make sense at that you know to keep going with it and get it out when we wanted to last year you know we've picked up the ball we see things are starting to open up and you know we're about half done right now but yeah we started it before the pandemic
0: during the pandemic then have you been writing more songs is there going to be another one soon after
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We, that's what we've been focusing on. We've got a couple more to write for this one. Um, and then we should be pretty close to having it in the can.
0: So once life gets back to normality, it's going to be full on for you then?
1: Yeah. Yeah. As much as, the, uh, as much as we can, we'll see how this COVID goes. We keep taking one step forward, two step back.
0: Yeah. You yeah. know?
1: you know because what they did in canceling all the festivals and so on last year they brought all the lineups forward this year so that didn't give anybody an opportunity to try to get in the lineups for this year well they're already starting to cancel those this year Mm. you know some are some are not so now the 2020 lineups are going to go into 2022 so it's like wow 2023 is the first chance i get to even pitch myself for some of these but you you gotta keep going you know and and you know i've been real pursuing and you know doing interviews like this even though i don't have new music out and so on just to be out there just to pretend that there's no issues going on with 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 covid you know what i mean you got you just gotta like keep forging forward yeah in may of last year i had um set up a whole run for like the benelux area in germany and france which of course got canceled Mm -hmm. you know and i keep trying to go back at it to reschedule it but who knows when to even reschedule it yeah you know i'm you know are, are they letting over you know americans now and that might shut down if our numbers keep going up so it's like I'm just gonna sit back and be patient, but that took a long time mm. to get that tour together. Because at the time I started working on it, my the booking agent I was working with decided that he no longer wanted to do that, you know, mm. for a living. So I was left handling everything myself. So it took quite a while. Yeah. So I was so sad. I've been working on getting over there. I've had tons of people I've ever since wanted woman that have been you know i i got a nice fan base over there you know i really wanted to you know get over there after all that success and so anyway it'll happen you know
0: it'll happen well this is one of the great ironies that blues music to my mind seems to be more or greatly appreciated in europe and elsewhere in the world more so than it is in the us
1: oh way more absolutely way more and more regard for musicians as far as them being is that being a profession i mean over you know in the united states you know they still got the hobbyist mentality in line you know in mind you know that that it isn't a viable career where it is you mm. know it, there, and it seems it seems that you're right it seems that there's more regard over in in um europe and even the uk as far as blues goes
0: yeah, you know. well, I mean, if you go back to the, the British blues boom of the 60s, you know, Eric Clapton mm-hmm. and people like that, you know. Um, anyway, we're going off a slight of tangents here. So you've got this CD that you're hoping to get out later in the year. You've got more songs that you're writing. Like well, say you can't really make any plans at the moment, though, can you?
1: No, you know, and I've been offered, you know, some festivals here but here's the problem, every state has different rules. So that you can't set up any routing, you know, to get to the to get to them because you don't know if you're going to even have a bar or a venue to play in along the way because you know they're opening up the doors then shutting them down when the ne- the numbers get, you know, higher and right now too you know, it's still really iffy to be play, playing in clubs and venues that are not open, you know, not outside. So, you know, I'm working on a couple different outdoor gigs for the summer, but, you know, I'm, I'm not going to push the envelope. I've had a lot of friends um, and a lot of them in the Detroit area because the numbers are really high in Michigan. They opened it up where you could have so much percentile capacity whatever and everybody's gotten COVID. So I'm in no rush to get behind that that microphone.
0: Yeah. All we can do is hope that things do sort themselves out very soon with vaccinations and all that kind of stuff. And uh, either I will get over there and I will see you, or you can come over here and uh, we'll see you over here. Absolutely. That would be terrific. Well, thank you for taking the time out to do this, and uh, I wish you all the best for the future.
1: Thank you. Keep in touch.